Thank you so much, Chris, for that kind welcome and Grace Community. Thank you for you and your, your kindness to me through the years. Um, I, I'm so thankful to be able to be here with you today and to preach God's word together with you and join you in this series on the Beatitudes. I was so thankful that Jeremy and Chris invited me and and I was telling them I was burdened about the Beatitudes and and they were saying, we're in the midst of a series on it. And I was like, that's awesome. So I'm so glad to, to be able to do that. And I want to introduce you to my son, Blair. Um, Blair, would you grab my blue bag and just walk that up to me real quick? Because I left my notes in that bag. So um, he just turned 15 this week. And um, I love you very much. <laughs> I, I have the honor each Sunday of just going in to serve on our, our setup team together with him. And it's a real delight to me because that's a, a ministry that my my dad shared with him until my dad went to be with Jesus, not this past Christmas Eve, but the Christmas Eve before that. And we've been grieving the loss of my dad and our family. But one of the things that's been so wonderful is my my dad has a he had a, a bag um, that he would take into church every week that just carried his Bible and, and, uh, and his other stuff for church. And he passed that on to his grandson, my son. And it, just to see my son carrying that bag in to church, it's beautiful to see the, the gospel and the service of Jesus Christ passing on from one generation to the next. So I love you, son. Thanks for coming with me, and uh, I'm just glad to be able to worship Christ with you here today at Grace Community. Well, if you can open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to jump into the Beatitudes here this morning, and we're going to be looking at the title of the message is Living the Beatitudes, and I really just have a burden for us to really remember, uh, remember that we are blessed and to celebrate the transformation and ponder the difference we can make or the sort of three concepts in my mind in relation to this message. So uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read through verses 1 through 16, this beautiful passage of Scripture uh, that I know you've been reading over the last multiple weeks as I've listened to Jeremy and Chris preach. Um, in, in the series, I've just been so blessed by your pastors who so faithfully handle God's word. Amen. They are a gift. And I know you know that. I'm really thankful for them. So Matthew 5, beginning in verse 1, would you read together with me, please? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You were the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You were the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Again, the title of the message is Living the Beatitudes. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we just thank you so much for the way you have transformed the lives of every single person in this room who has, by your grace, repented of their sins and trusted in you with that saving faith that Chris did such a great job delineating for us a few moments ago. Lord, we don't just have the knowledge. We have conviction, and we don't just have conviction, but we have personal reliance upon the cross and personal affection for you. We're so grateful, Father, that you sent your own son to die for sinners like us to save us from the wrath to come. We're grateful to be called sons and daughters of God here this morning. It's all because of you. It's from you and through you and to you. And we give you all the glory Touch our hearts as we reflect on your precious oracles here, Jesus, in these minutes. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I look at just this first point, remember that you are blessed. It's interesting that Jesus, beginning in verse 3, when he opened his mouth and taught them here, remember he's teaching his disciples as the guys have been teaching you so well. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And he just goes down through these beatitudes and he he just keeps saying blessed, 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 blessed. It's so wonderful that when he opens his mouth to teach his disciples that the word coming out of his mouth is he is, Jesus is pronouncing blessing upon his disciples who are who have been transformed by grace and are characterized by these evidences of saving grace these evidences of God's transforming power in their lives these the genre if you will of the beatitudes are that they are oracles and With oracles, you have oracles of woe, which basically say woe to you. And you see this in Matthew chapter 23 when when Jesus pronounces judgment, woe upon the Pharisees for their unrepentant hardness of heart and the way that they lead God's people away from the word, away from God, and and, and actually toward hell. He, He pronounces woe upon them. That's judgment, that's curse. All of that is being pronounced upon them 
in their unrepentant hardness of heart and to receive God's woe is the worst thing that you could possibly receive from him. On the opposite side, the greatest thing that you could ever hear off of the lips of Jesus as he is teaching you is for him to give what is known as the oracle of wheel, which is the opposite of the oracle of woe. The oracle of wheel is the oracle of God's blessing. Christ is pronouncing blessing upon his disciples here. And I want you to remember that Jesus pronounces blessing upon you this morning, my brother and sister in Christ. And I want you to remember that you are blessed. You see a lot of people with tattoos and such that are even on their bodies that just say the word blessed. And I don't know exactly what they mean by the word blessed, but I'm really moved by what Michael Haldeman writes when he writes about this blessedness or to be blessed. He says this, the word blessed was a familiar term for Jesus's first century audience. Rather than a fleeting happiness dependent on current circumstances, the blessedness that Jesus spoke of is deep, abiding, unshakable joy rooted in the assurance of God's blessing, both in the present and in the future. Life in our Lord's kingdom is one of profound joy and inner well-being that no person and no circumstance can take away. Isn't that such good news, church, this morning? No person and no circumstance can take away this blessing that Jesus pronounces upon his disciples here in this passage. And all of you who have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, you are one of the recipients of that oracle of wheel from Jesus, of blessed are you. And for, for the Jew to understand what this blessedness was, you, you might remember from Numbers chapter 6, the glorious passage of Scripture that describes the blessing that many of us might even recite within our families from time to time. Aaron's blessing where in Numbers chapter 6, 24, the word says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. For the Jew, the understanding of blessedness was to have the Lord lift up his countenance to them and to give them peace. It was for the Lord to make his face, there again, countenance, 
face, the face of God to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. That's the highest form of blessedness. That's the greatest thing that you could ever have God say to you. And Jesus is saying it to you through the word this morning. Blessed are you. What does it mean? It means you have been chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This means that God has said that he has made his face shine upon you. He has been gracious to you. He has lifted up his countenance upon you. He has given you peace. The highest blessing that the Jewish man and woman had under the old covenant was the idea, this idea of God making his face to shine upon them. It's the face of God's eternal favor. The face of God's eternal favor is upon you because of his love for you in Christ from before the foundation of the world. And so when Jesus shows up and he is speaking to his disciples here at the Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to his disciples and he is saying, blessed are you. The face of my Father's eternal favor is upon you, my beloved. That's blessed. It's not something that any man or woman or circumstance in your life or mine can take away. Grace community To be blessed, understand this, it is a fixed state for the Christian. We are those who have God's face of eternal favor now shining upon us. And all of that has been secured because the one speaking this beatitude willingly came down and took on flesh and willingly suffered himself to have nails driven through his flesh to bleed on a wooden cross in order to die on that cross for your sins. Bearing the curse that you and I deserve so that we will never experience curse. But only ever blessing. And I don't deserve that. I'm so happy. 
Jesus suffered as our substitute on the cross. The the disfavor, the divine displeasure, the anger, the justified and holy wrath of God that you and I would have experienced for eternity in hell had he not endured it for us. Jesus, when we sing, the Father turned his face away, means that we now have this blessedness pronounced over us, this oracle of blessing, this this assurance in our souls even right now that even though we still struggle with sin every day, that the face of God's eternal favor is upon us because Christ willingly endured being forsaken. He suffered the punishment being forsaken by God. Jesus suffered all of that on the cross in order that we who were once objects of his wrath might now as objects of his Mercy, enjoy, and savor that the face of God's eternal favor is upon us right now. So before we even think of like, okay, how do I live the Beatitudes? The way you live a Beatitude, and the guys hit this so well in the previous weeks, the way you live this is you first need to understand, remember, that you are blessed, this pronouncement of blessing has been decreed upon you. There's, you, you just receive it. And of course, there's implications of like, oh, I, I want to be more poor in spirit in the days to come, and I want to be more meek, and I want to... But the glorious thing here is that you have a blessing that has been pronounced over you, disciple of Christ, by Jesus the Son of God who came and gave his life for you, who bore the curse, who bore the wrath that you and I deserve, who bore the God-forsakenness that we would have had to bear forever. He absorbed it all. He exhausted it all so that now the only thing left over our life is that we are blessed. Blessed are you. Oh, what amazing words of Jesus. <laughs> to hear him pronounce these words live, like, to us lately, it would have been awesome. But he's pronouncing it live to us right now through his word. He wants you to understand through his word, which is living and active. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is speaking through his word to each of us this morning wants us to apply it to our hearts today. Remember, my people, that you are blessed. I have secured forever for you my Father's face of eternal favor over your life. And that can never change 
Because when I cry out on that cross, it is finished. What that means is that it's done. There's no more wrath for you to bear or to fear. I've taken away the fear of death for you because you are blessed now. This is already upon you. And when you stand before me on that final day, as Chris reminded us a couple weeks ago, you shall receive mercy. That's blessed. That's blessed in all circumstances. That's blessed in my life right now as I'm grieving the loss of many family members and as I suffer trial and affliction and perplexing things in my life that I just can't understand. And I know you understand this as well. It came up during worship wonderfully. You are my afflicted brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all are enduring trials of various kinds right now. And this is also true. We are the blessed ones, aren't we? Because no matter how bad it ever gets here, no matter how hard, no matter how crushed down into the dust, no matter how perplexed we are, we are not in despair. Because the face of the Lord shines upon us. He's lifted up his countenance upon us and given us peace. The face of God's eternal favor is upon us. God has been gracious to us. That's blessed. So in application to living the Beatitudes, the first thing that I just want to remind us of is that, brothers and sisters, for us as Christians, blessedness doesn't go up and down based off of circumstances or whether we're having a good week or a bad week. Blessedness for the Christian is a fixed state, and it's never going to go away. No power of hell or scheme of man could ever take this blessing away from us. It makes me so happy, doesn't it you? I'm so grateful for this saving grace, this divine favor. Grace is God's eternal favor in Christ to sinners who deserve his wrath. I know that I deserve God's wrath for all that I've done. What blows me away is that God has been gracious to me. He's been gracious to you. He has... giving you God's favor, God's eternal favor in Christ. 
and that can't be touched. That can't be taken away. And I just love God for that. He's awesome, isn't he, church? <laughs> He's awesome. I love him. I'm so thankful for him. <laughs> so remember that you're blessed this morning. And remember that the blessedness that you've received, that you've had pronounced over you by Jesus, is a fixed state for you, beloved. It doesn't go up and down. God's countenance of eternal favor isn't looking upon you right now in church with a smile and then tomorrow if you're struggling with sin, it it turns away and now you're out of God's favor and you've got to kind of try to do something to get that favor back. No, it's always there because of what Christ did. And every struggle that you have Every area where you look in the Beatitudes and you say, well, Lord, I do see this in my life, but I see how far I need to grow yet. Christ has already, through his act of obedience, perfectly performed and obeyed God's law in relation to all these things with perfect obedience and perfect righteousness. And God has chosen to credit Christ's perfect righteousness to all of us who have repented of our sins and believed in him. He's given us the free gift of justification. So we're declared righteous and the blood has cleansed us from all of our sin. And we are completely covered. As Jesus says in John 13, you are already clean, my disciples, because of the word I've already spoken to you. He has cleansed us. He has died for us. He has risen from the dead for us. And this blessedness is secure. It's like empty tomb secure over your life and mine. That's blessed. That's blessed. We could have it worse off than any other person circumstantially And yet we are still more blessed than an unbeliever will ever know. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for one of the first things out of his mouth to his disciples is, before I give you commandments for you to do, I want to say this to you. I want to, I want to declare and pronounce my blessing over you. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jesus. So remember you're blessed is the first point. Secondly, celebrate the transformation. Celebrate the transformation that God has worked in you. The Beatitudes, these qualities like blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, the guys have been doing a great job expositing this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Every single one of them are 
evidences of saving grace in the life of every true Christian. In other words, these Beatitudes describe every single one of us in this room. It's almost like Jesus is saying, blessed are the ones whom I've saved because I've transformed them to be poor in spirit. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when you think of the Beatitudes, you don't want to think of it in terms of, well, I see meekness a little bit in me, but I don't really see that I'm a peacemaker, which Chris is going to hit next week, so looking forward to that message. I'm not really a peacemaker. I do see meekness a little. It's not meant to be kind of like that. No, listen, you are a born-again Christian. You have been transformed by God. You've been blessed by God and are on forever, the receiving end of God's favor in Christ. As once a former sinner who only deserved his wrath, you are now one who has God's face of eternal favor shining upon you, and this is what describes you. Beloved, you are poor in spirit. (coughs) You are those who mourn over your sin. You are meek. Now, you might see areas of deficiency, but mark you. God has not only saved you by his grace, he has transformed you and I by his grace. Jeremy hit this so well. None of these things, these, these don't come naturally to us. It's not natural for me to be poor in spirit. That's not who I am by nature as a sinner. But you got to understand one of the glorious things about salvation, conversion, is when you become a Christian, not only are you saved and brought out from eternal damnation into eternal salvation in Christ in heaven forever, but you've also been transformed from who you once were to who you now are. So Beatitudes are, they're not as much, hey, this is what you're called to do. It's more of a description of, listen, you are the poor in spirit. So be, be what you are. You are this already because of what I've done in you. And rejoice that I've transformed your life to make it so. Yeah, I celebrated um, 25 years of pastoral ministry in June, which I'm so thankful to God, glory to God. But I remember when I was a senior in high school at Sun Valley, I got saved and I was invited to give a message to a bunch of my friends at toward the end of my senior year and the scripture that I chose to preach from because I had experienced that experienced it that year was 2 Corinthians 5.17 which many of you probably know by heart if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old is gone and behold the new has come 
we've been transformed. The, the law of the Lord under the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31, part of that blessing of the new covenant is that he writes the law of God on our hearts. It's not just a matter of like reading it on a page and then trying to perform it. It's, it's written by grace on this heart that was once a heart of stone, but is now, by God's grace, I've been given a heart of flesh <coughs> that loves Christ and wants to obey him. When Chris was preaching on blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy, I kept thinking as he was delineating application, I kept thinking to myself, Lord, I want to be like this more. I just want to be like this more. I just want to be like this more. And many of you during this series are probably finding that kind of happening in your soul. That's evidence that you're a Christian. Unbelievers don't think this way. They don't hunger and thirst after righteousness the way that you do and the way that I do. And listen, albeit imperfectly, I don't hunger and thirst after righteousness perfectly. I I want to grow in that more, but it is there. That longing is there. If there's no longing for hunger or hungering and thirsting after righteousness, if there's no meekness or no poverty of, as one person said, the poor in spirit is a poverty of arrogance. If there's no poverty of arrogance, but I'm just operating in self-sufficiency and self-reliance, self-righteousness and pride. If there's no poverty of spirit or poverty of arrogance. That's a, that's a sign that I'm not a Christian yet. Every Christian, every true Christian has these qualities within them because they've been transformed. They've been given a new nature upon conversion, upon repentance and faith that's been given to them by the Holy Spirit. You are now a new creation in Christ. You have been given a new heart, a new You are a new creation. The old is gone. The the new has come. And this is the new. This is the new. It's this Christian counterculture. This counterculture in the midst of occupied Jerusalem by the Romans who are coming and delving out oppression to this people. And Jesus is pronouncing blessing upon them in the midst of all of that circumstantial oppression And he's saying, here is the culture of those who have been transformed by my grace. This is the culture of my kingdom. This is you. This is who you are. This is us. So I think of it with the Beatitudes like a a dimmer switch. I remember a few years ago, I had the honor of actually putting a dimmer switch in our dining room. And um, the, the light for the dining room was one that where, like, before the dimmer switch was in, it was either it was off, it was completely dark, or it was on, and it was like heaven came into the dining room because it was so bright <laughs> that it just blinded us. We could barely eat because it was like, ah! you know, like it was so bright. And we're like, you know, we need, probably need to put a dimmer switch in here, you know. So we put a dimmer switch in and, what was so wonderful about it once it was installed was you can adjust the, the level of lighting in the room and so you could, if you wanted to have a little bit more of a quiet, peaceful meal, you could turn the dimmer switch down or if you wanted to enjoy more of the light, you could turn it up. And I, when I think of the Beatitudes and the work of God's grace, the power of his spirit conforming us more and more into the image of Christ, 
it's, it's like this. It's like a dimmer switch that's been turned on. And you might look in your life and say, oh, pastor, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of meekness in me yet. I, I just I want you to celebrate the transformation, the good news of this pronouncement of Jesus' blessing over the life of his disciples is you are this. The adjustment has been turned, the knob has been turned from darkness to light. You might look and say, man, it seems so dim here in my soul in relation to meekness. I still see myself fighting for myself in my flesh so often. I would say to you, brother or sister, I understand. I, I see the same types of things in my own life. But the Christian life and the power of the Holy Spirit is like through the years, the Holy Spirit just turns up the dimmer switch and the, the light increases more and more so that we become more and more what we already are. That's the beatitude. You already are the poor in spirit. You already are merciful. But as you grow as a Christian throughout the Christian life, the wattage is getting turned up more and more and more so that you're becoming more and more merciful over time. And you'll still see a flare where there's a lack of mercy, but you'll see that God has transformed you after all. You are not who you used to be. This doesn't come natural to you or me. And it's one of the things that when we see these qualities inside of our hearts, we can really celebrate because we're different now because of what Jesus has done in us. He's not only saved us by his grace, he's transformed us by his grace. Amen? We're different now than who we used to be. And I'm so thankful for the way that he's transformed us. So I want you to be encouraged right now, my struggling brother and sister, as you look at the Beatitudes and you feel like, I, I see where I fall short all the time. I mean, as I was driving here, me and my son, I was, I was reflecting upon my sins of just this past week and as I was driving, we had some worship music on. I just started to cry and weep, and, and I was so discouraged thinking about it. But then this happy thought like came into my mind. Blessed are those who mourn. I was mourning. It wasn't worldly sorrow. There was a godly sorrow in my heart for the way that I grieved God at points throughout the week. And that was meant to be an encouragement to my soul, as I hope it is to you. That even the fact that we feel sorrow, godly sorrow for sin at all, is a mark that we're truly saved by God and under his eternal favor with his countenance lifted up. It's not a frown. God's not looking upon you as a, with a frown. His countenance is lifted up toward you. His face is a face of eternal 
pleasure and delight and favor. He calls us his treasured possession. We are his precious people that he delights in and he delights in you. And so even as you weep over current or past sins, my friend, my brother, my sister, recognize that if the spirit of God was not dwelling in you, you might have some worldly sorrow and worldly regret, but you wouldn't be grieving to your Savior who you hurt this past week. You wouldn't be weeping over your sin if God hadn't transformed you to make you like this. And so even our tears of where we feel like we let God down, where we genuinely go back to him and say, forgive me. God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Again and again is evidence that we, in fact, have been, my dear brother and sister in Christ, born again. And that we are now new creations in Christ. And there's nothing that Satan or the power of man or any awful circumstance can do to separate us from that love and separate us from that favor. (laughs) Celebrate. Celebrate how different you are because you're a Christian. Celebrate the transformation that God has wrought in you. And they are described right here in black and white in the Beatitudes. Because though you and I aren't perfectly manifesting these evidences of grace, and we won't until we're in heaven, our confidence is that Jesus has perfectly manifested all things pertaining to righteousness. He has perfectly fulfilled the law of God and that his righteousness has been credited as a free gift of grace to us and we are justified before God. But also recognize that these qualities are in you. They really are in you. And they are in me. And that's worth celebrating. I don't believe, brothers and sisters, that we should always perpetually be bemoaning the fact that we are not perfectly manifesting these evidences of grace yet. I believe it's to the glory of God that when we meet in care group and we talk about where are you seeing these qualities, these evidences of grace being manifest in your life, that we celebrate even the little baby steps. I believe that brings great glory to the Lord. I'm so different than who I used to be. And I give thanks to God for it. One of the things these beatitudes can do is you can look and see how different you are now to who you used to be. And it can give you a lot of encouragement. I know many of you can do the same. I'll tell you just a, a story just to close. I, I remember um, <laughs> you might see in movies sort of a backstory scene where they show the backstory of a character of when that character was a child and then they flash forward again to the man or the woman in the present and you realize that that story from the past shaped who they are <laughs> in the present. And one of those stories for me is I grew up in a tough neighborhood down in Chester, Pennsylvania with me, my mom and dad, and my two sisters. And I remember 
it was a tough neighborhood in that there were fights, and I used to get beat up by my friends. And uh, my mom and dad were newly saved, but real toughies. If any of you had the honor of knowing my mom and my dad and know them now, uh, they, they, they are just wonderful, God-fearing Christians who love Jesus. And But... Uh, this is one of those areas where the dimmer switch was a little low and wasn't fully turned up yet because they were new Christians, you know what I mean? So I remember coming in one time after getting my face punched in and bleeding and crying. And, and uh, I remember my dad was saying, what are you crying about? And, you know, I was like, Dad, you know, this my, our neighbor, you know, punched me in the face and beat me up. And, and, uh, <laughs> And he said, CB, he's like, if you ever come in here crying like a sissy again, he's like, I- I'm going to have to spank you when you get in the, in the door. I, d- I don't want to see you ever coming in here like this. And I guess, okay, you're teaching your son to have a certain masculinity. And, uh, okay, there's some value there. And, but there was some more of a, like, you recognize it, like, okay, this is some, some worldly training coming <laughs> as well that's still mixed in with it. And so, and he didn't leave me on my own. I remember after dinner, my dad would, teach me how to fight. And so after we got done eating, my dad would put his hands up and he would uh, teach me these, like, these, these punch combinations and, and try and pre- trying to prepare me for the next time I was out playing with my friends and got beat up. And so I remember there's this story and my, my family knows it well. It's like one of these flashback stories. I, I was out playing in Chester Park out behind my house and my mom was outside hanging laundry. <laughs> my friend who used to beat me up, punched me in the face, knocked me down on my back, and I was bloody nose again. And I started crying, and I looked to my mom hanging laundry, who was about probably 10 to 15 feet away from me, for some nurturing support. And my mom looked at me, and she said, CB, remember what your dad said. <laughs> She said, don't you take that crap. And what then ensued was, if you've ever seen the movie Christmas, Christmas Story where Ralphie jumps on top of Scott Farkas, and it was akin to that moment where I hit, <laughs> I hit the guy that always would beat me up. Somehow he lands on his back. I end up in the mount position on top of him and just... Ralphied him. <laughs> and my mom, you know, after it's over, she comes and I go inside and my dad comes home from work that night. And the best I re- re- can recall is we had a family celebration <laughs> over me overcoming this obstacle. And, but the mantra that was driven into my mind was, don't you take that crap. And one of our unsanctified mottos as a family, probably through the years, as I look at even my own life and my own fleshly struggles, would be, don't you take that crap. That's who I am by nature. I'm a fighter. I don't like when things don't go my way, little or big. I can still struggle with this. But when the Lord saved me, it changed me. And... Over these last number of years as a Christian, just in the process of following Christ, I've experienced what many of you have here as well, where it says in verse 10, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I went from being a young man who, when someone would even look at me funny, it was sort of grounds to go and start a fight through you know, junior high and high school and to Christ transforming me to where I was reflecting over the last number of years over just some of the just sins that have been committed against me, my wife, my family at times. And it's been a wonderful blessing, but there's been some pain mixed in like you all experience as well in your Christian life. And instead of that fight back, don't you take that crap, react in the flesh and make this right for yourself. I've seen the Lord work in me to where instead of all that, I've been entrusting myself to God who judges justly. I've been waiting on the Lord. I've been, do not avenge yourselves for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I've been praying for those who have hurt me so deeply that it's hard for me to even put into words how deeply they've hurt me. And I've been praying for them. And you know what happens when I think of this, when I step back and look at it? I look in the mirror and I see that person doing that. And there's one explanation for it and one alone. Because who I am by nature would never be like that. But now, because of Christ, I've been transformed into this. And my mom and dad have as well, and my family, and we're different than who we used to be, all because Jesus died and saved me and also transformed me. And I remember right before my dad died, I remember having a conversation with him about some of the pains <laughs> that I was having in my heart over the hurt that. I had been experiencing. And my dad, who many years ago taught me how to fight for myself, I said to him, I confessed to him, I said, Dad, you know, every once in a while, when I ponder what some of these individuals have done, I've been tempted to be Chester Park CB again. And I'll never forget him saying to me, You're not like that anymore, son. That's not the way for us. And he encouraged me in the pathway of Christ. (laughs) I love that story because it shows the dimmer switch (laughs) transformation that's happened in my mom, my dad, and me, and my sisters. And I'm still fighting. I'm, I'm fighting for more and more of this. And less and less of my flesh and my sin. And I'm so thankful to God that he has transformed me by his grace. I I share that story just to encourage all of you. I give all the glory to him for it. And I'm so thankful that he has loved me and has transformed me like this. Because 
brothers and sisters, maybe you can relate to that mantra or that fleshly struggle of don't you take that crap. It sure rears its ugly head often. And here I close before we worship. And this always happens to me when I'm struggling. Listen carefully. If Jesus had embraced the worldly mantra of don't you take that crap, he never would have suffered himself to go to the cross and to die for me and to die for you. It's because Jesus was willing to take that. The humiliation, the spitting upon, the mocking, the ridicule, the the lashes, the piercings. He did all of that in order to save you and me out of that. And as my wife often reminds me, if I'm having a moment of struggle, she's like, CB, we get to be this way now. We get to be like this. We've been set free to be holy. We've been set free to manifest more and more and turn up the dimmer switch into full wattage Grace Community Church of these beautiful evidences of grace and qualities called the Beatitudes and May God give you individually, my brother and my sister, grace to grow in the days to come, and me as well. And as a church, you know what matters as a local church to God? It's not the type of building a church meets in or the, the, all the things that this world can hold dear in relation to church and the smoke and mirrors that many people say, oh, we want to have this no, it's, it's a church full of believers like you and like me who have been saved by God's grace and transformed by it and who passionately are committed to say, Holy Spirit, turn up the dimmer switch in me and make me a man who is willing to suffer for your name's sake and make me a woman who trusts in you the way the Beatitudes talk about trusting in you, Lord, to be people, a holy people who bring much glory to their Savior who died for them. May God give us grace, church, to become like this more and more, to become more and more who we already are, and to remember Remember today, friend, how blessed you and I are. Great will be your reward in heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You shall receive mercy. You will be called sons and daughters of God. You shall be comforted. Almighty God, be glorified as we close in worship. Jesus, we celebrate what you, Jesus the Nazarene, have done for us in laying your life down for us. You have been, oh, marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. 
And Lord, we sing to you and we give you all the praise and glory for what you have done, what you have accomplished in our life by your grace. Make us into these types of people even more in the days to come, we pray, that we might bring glory to your name, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. We love you, church. Let's stand and worship.